Such a man off the ball. I gave him the opportunity. When I spoke to him, he spoke to my family. I won't have it. Welcome, everybody, to the Green and Gold Rugby Show. Formerly known as the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast, we're stepping up in the world. We're thrilled to be a part of this new venture in digital sports radio with Eon Sports Radio. Still same old podcast, same people involved, but the Green and Gold Rugby website is uh, going digital and thrilled to be a part of it. I'm Rugby Reg. Uh, we've been doing this show for ooh, 223 episodes now. You can see back episodes on our website at greenandgoldrugby.com. Joining me tonight are the two regulars, the two uh, gurus of rugby uh, in everything Australian in Super Rugby and above and below. We've got Matt Gagger. Matt, how are you, mate? Man, I'm very well, mate. But I'm just I'm glad to know that we can move on from our paper based website. <laughs> now we've gone. Now we've gone uh, digital. It's, a, it's that's, a, that's a breath of fresh air. That, that's how it works, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, I used to I'd like wake up every morning, print off the internet, and, and read it over my my porridge in the morning. Yeah, well, I can give the Gestetna a rest. It's good to know. Excellent. And Hugh Cavill, Barber, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Good to see we're upgrading um, upgrading into the digital world. Sadly, no no accompanying upgrading talent. Um, on the podcast, <laughs> you think we're probably due for, for an upgrade, um, but uh, yeah, no, sorry, sorry, podcasters, sorry, listeners. Um, I think this is the best it might get. Yeah, you don't want too much change, mate. Too much change at once, not good. <laughs> you talk about change, and you talk about technology, Matt. And you're a bit of a you're a rugby guru, but you're also a technology guru. And we were having a chat off screen before about Pokemon Go. I want to ask you the, the viability of this idea. Can we establish an app called Wallaby Go? where we can harness the forces of all these people roaming the streets. Perhaps Michael Cheek is out there with his phone trying to find the next generation of Wallaby legends for us. Well, the problem is, Reg, they're not fit enough. And uh, if only they'd been fit enough, then we wouldn't have got trounced by um, a bunch of pasty palms. So that, that's the problem. And I don't know, it doesn't matter how many eggs they hatch, um, I think we're going to be in trouble. Do you think we need to be putting some of those Pokemons at the top of the Coogee stairs? That could be it. Yeah. Well, I was thinking. I mean, are, are we talking just going out and finding talent? Because I think you'd be stro- strolling the streets of Western Sydney, maybe, um, yeah. and seeing <laughs> and, and rolling through public schools and seeing what you can find out there. I think that might be a, a pretty rich hunting ground. All right, let's get it out there, developers. Wallaby Go. We want to see the initiatives. All right, <laughs> this is a this is a unique rugby show for you guys. We don't, as our regular listeners. We'll know we don't review matches per se. We've got five burning questions each week. This is the five burning questions in Australian rugby at the moment, and we do our best to answer them. You can be the judge whether we do that. And our top five burning questions, I'll run through them all at the top before we get stuck into them. Um, first and foremost, the Super Rugby finals start this weekend, of course. The Brumbies, the top Australian team, and they'll be taking on um, uh, one of our New Zealands. The, who are we taking this win? The Highlanders this weekend. Mm. We're the Brumbies the best team. Are they our best chance for uh, for any sort of super rugby glory? Or would we be better off with someone else? Perhaps the Waratahs, the most obvious one. Question two, is it going to be an all-New Zealand semi-final series? And if so, is there any way we can spin that as, a, as an advantage to the Wallabies? Less time for the All Blacks together. Wallabies get plenty of time together. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. What about question three? The Rebels. Our Melbourne boys had the best season ever, most number of wins ever. Should our Rebel fans be happy about that? Uh, number four, the Sunwolves from Japan and the Kings from South Africa, well, let's face it, were terrible this year. Does their presence in their respective pools give the Stormers and Lions false hope? They blitzed it in their pools, but let's be frank, they played dud competition. Is that going to be uh, come up back and bite them 
when they take on the finals here. And question five, Rio Olympics around the corner. The Aussie Super uh, Sevens teams have been named. This one, any all-time Olympian you'd want playing for the Aussie Sevens team in Rio. Picked at their peak, any generation. You can go back to 1896, the first Olympics, or you can go back to, to London in 2012. Two, uh, so we've got to get to the heart of the matter there too. But we're going to start with the first one. Matt, I'm going to go to straight to you. The mm. Brumbies, are they our best chance uh, of winning the title, a title, or Mate, look, better off someone else? Well, just before I get into that as well, I just want to let people know at the top of the show, the other thing they've got to look out for in this show is obviously um, we're going for the bullet head 15. Uh, this week we're kicking that off so and we're going to kick off with the back line so if you haven't already start thinking through bald rugby players southern hemisphere rugby players who could make that top bald 15 uh, they're going to be pre- they're going to be present players so yeah nathan sharp for example doesn't make it so start ticking that over in your mind we've got a few to come on with later on look were the tars a better chance uh than the brumbies um of, of getting to the finals i thought at the end of the day the Tars were just missing a bit too much class in the pack, um, you know. And and I think if you look at the Brumbies, you know, I think you know you've got Stephen Moore in there, and I think you've got Scott Fardy, um, you know, you've got um, you know Benny Alexander, for example. I know he's not the world's best prop, but there's a there's a hell of a lot of um, caps under there. I think you've got a more conventional locking partnership who have started to um, you know rack up you know, a, a few uh, caps there as well. Whereas, you know, with the Tars, there's always a bit of a question mark, you know, when you've got Will Skelton, is, is he really, really a lock or not? So, look, I just think you've got more of a conventional back row there. I do realise that, you know, and look, the other bit is obviously David Pocock. I think the word is he's back in this weekend. And if that's the case, then I think that really gives them the edge because, you know, you, you kind of cancel out what Michael Hooper might have brought. So, look, you know, we all know it's Fords that win matches, especially when it gets to the pointy end of the season. And I just think the Brumbies um, shade that. Yeah, they haven't been playing well. They've been making some mind-boggling sort of tactical decisions. But when it gets down to the really pointy end, I think this season uh, the Brumbies are shading it there. So, yeah, I think it's probably the right team who's, um, who, who's going through. I'll be honest there, Matt, as a, uh, a devoid, uh, devout uh, Waratah fan there. That answer surprised me. I'm going to throw to the other devout Waratah fan and see if he agrees with you. Hugh, are you backing Matt up there? Oh, look... I, I don't know. Look, it, it's a close-run thing. I mean, as it was all season, and and I think at their best in terms of the form they're in at this end of the season, at the back end of the season, I think the Waratahs are probably just a bit better placed considering what they did to the Chiefs. And ultimately, you know, they lost to the Blues, but by less than what the Brumbies did, and um, they lost to the Hurricanes, but less than what the Brumbies did. So, look, I think I think either way, the teams, whoever, whichever Australian team's going to be going to be pushing the proverbial uphill. Um, to even make a game of it, so I, I don't. I think it's a much of a muchness overall. I'm not. I mean, the Brumbies deserve their spot. They beat the Tars twice in in round play, and I see Matt's point. They're a bit older and experienced, and that's where David Pocock coming in will make a huge difference. Um, if the if, I, I don't know. I, th- I think the Tars might have had a little bit of a better chance. Then again, it is the Highlanders, and the Tars have real problems with the Highlanders, mm. as they did in the semi final last year. So. On the balance of it, if I had to pick one Australian team to beat the Highlanders this week, I'm probably edging at the Brumbies. So consider that a surprise, Reg, if you will. But, um, yeah, I agree with Matt. I think they're just a little bit better place to take on the Highlanders. 
I do consider that a surprise. And to consider something more surprising is I think it's the Waratahs. Uh, I, I just The way they play, I've been so disappointed with the Brumbies, particularly last week. Uh, so tedious, so uninspiring. Uh, and, you know, I really take on board what you're saying, Hugh. I think, you know, for this game, big match, they're a big shot, or they're a shot versus the Highlanders. But even the Waratahs, how they are playing, even in moments, um, played at a much better level, showed more to their game uh, than I think the Brumbies have shown. You know, you talk X Factor in the finals and, the you know, the Phipps and Foley combination, Falau at 13's working, and, and that back row, Dennis is playing really good rugby, you know, Hooper himself. You know, I, I just get the feeling that that was a team that could have broken through uh, against these New Zealand, New Zealand players. You know, perhaps it's, the, it's an indication of their own uh, uh, performances all year that they haven't lived up to their standards and, you know, I, I think we all expected somewhat of a drop-off because of the talent they lost, but I still get the feeling that, um, that the Waratahs would have been the team, could have been a team that could have gone a little bit further in this competition than, than the Brumbies. But well, that's, that's the thing that's been so frustrating about them the last two weeks, you know, is because you see the glimpses of that finals team there lurking within them. And then, you know, and they'll score some fantastic tries and, and then have five minutes of madness where they you know, we'll we'll let 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 the other team into the game. You know, that's what it's 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 almost back to the days of old as a Waratahs fan the last couple of weeks, and and that's what's been a bit a, a bit bittersweet in in the last um, half of the season. Look, the one thing I'd throw in there is that I just think with the Brumbies though, um, I don't necessarily think that it's been bad play by the players per se. I just I just think there's been some bewildering um, sort of you know, game plans and tactics. I mean, there's been like this non-commit non at the breakdown thing, which I, I realise is kind of trendy at the moment, but I think it really didn't suit the, the Brumbies and I think it moved away from what they did so well when uh, Laurie um, was, was was Lord Lord Laurie was running it. And then I think uh, the second, then we saw on the weekend, they playing some great rugby, but about 20 yards behind the game line, yeah. um, and which was just mind-boggling. And again, you just think, well, that someone set them up like that. And... I think they've got the players and I think the players know each other and whatever else. I just think they've been put in some of the wrong positions. And I guess I, I might be talking against myself here and saying, well, look, you know, as long as they can see through that and say, look, actually, guys, we're at the pointy end now. It's time to stop, stop stuffing around and get serious. And I think that might give them a good chance. Well, that's the thing, isn't it, Matt? That's what's got to change um, is the, the strategy, the tactic, you know, the, the approach of the coaches in how they play this line. And it's it's been one of the most frustrating elements of the 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 Brumbies' performance, and I think frustrating is a word that we've used across Australian rugby this season, but um, to see them playing with the talent they have uh, so one-dimensionally with that coach, Steve Larkham, who we have seen do brilliant things for the Wallabies on the field, and, you know, it's a given that the quality co uh, players don't necessarily become quality coaches, but you would have thought that mindset might be there, that uh, ability to see the running lines um, and, and even the where they stand in, in uh, attack is uh, is uh, would be something that would come almost second nature to them, but it's uh, for some reason it's not happening with that Brumby back line. Well, can I just say one thing is that, like, um, I saw the Brumbies um, force game on replay because I, I didn't manage to watch it live, and, you know, from what everyone was saying, I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to, you know, hit some real dirge here. This is going to be like a, a sort of, you know, Western Force, New South Wales Waratahs from three or four years ago type thing. And it wasn't. And, and, and in fact, you know, there were two tries that were two really good, you know, quite good tries um, that Dane Haylett-Petty, who, I mean, what a season he's having. Yeah. My God, those two try saves that he pulled off were just that, crazy. Remarkable tackles. Absolutely remarkable. 
oh, just just nutso stuff. But you know, those two tries go through, and you know, I think we've got a different scoreline. I think you you break the force, and I think you know, it's all a very different thing. So uh, look, I think there's plenty there within the Brumbies, um, and let's just see if they can lay it on the line. All right. Sounds good. All right, so we're we're back in the Brumbies in this one to uh, to carry the Australia's rugby's hopes into the uh, the rest of the Super Rugby finals. Moves us on to that second question though, and this will this will sort of make some sort of uh, shape around our tipping this weekend. I guess is it, is it going to be an all New Zealand semi final? Let's answer that question first. Will the Kiwis win every game? Let's run through them very quickly. The Brumbies uh, are taking on the Highlanders on Friday evening, six o'clock. Then on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Hurricanes host the Sharks. Uh, the Sharks obviously um, finishing second in their conference, so I think they're the lowest place qualifier. The Lions from South Africa will be hosting the Crusaders, so the Crusaders travelling all the way across over there to the Republic on early Sunday morning our time. And then the Stormers will also be hosting the Chiefs, the Chiefs also doing the dash across to South Africa. So Highlanders over Brumbies, Hurricanes over the Sharks, Crusaders and Chiefs winning respectively overseas. Is that a chance, Hugh? Do you think New Zealand can sweep this? I think they certainly can. I think one of them might lose out, and I have a feeling that might end up being the Crusaders, um, dare I say it. Um, yeah, Travelling to South Africa is tough, to, tough at the best of times, and Lions and, and Stormers are both, um, are both pretty decent sides too. So I, wouldn't, I, I would expect one of those two teams t- to get up. But um, certainly... I expect the Highlanders to get the, get up over the Brumbies and uh, the Hurricanes to get up against the Sharks. Yep. Um, and one of the two New Zealand teams, the Chiefs and the Crusaders, to get up in that other game. But um, would not surprise me at all to see all four there, Reg, because you know you never tip against them in this comp. I think uh, is the rule of tipping this year. Um, and um, so yeah, you'd be mad to 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 um to back against any of those teams because they're all so so. Quality, I think, is the word. Turned my season around when I finally woke up to the fact that you don't tip against any New Zealand team, and it turned my tipping season around. I snuck into third place on my mate's tipping contest on the back of that tactic. Matt, what about you? you we yeah. comfortable with the, the, the Highlanders getting over the Brumbies and the Hurricanes over the Sharks? Mate, look, I'm not comfortable with your tipping tactic. I'll just <laughs> say that. And uh, I hope you're feeling it. I hope that's a dirty – that should be like a dirty secret. You know. Oh, this is a that's a better than Reg's policy of previous years, which was backing the Reds come hell or high water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, loyal as hell, but I mean, it's a dumb tipping strategy. Reds by thirty. Reds by thirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, yeah, when you, when you compound it and you say, you know, for all three of them. Um, you know, it's the three of them being away, and obviously the Kiwis are completely up in arms about this, um, that they don't all have home games because obviously <laughs> they're just so much choicer than everyone else, bro. Um, look, you know, when you compound it, because I, I think the Brumbies are in, for a sh- are in with a shout. Yep. The Lions are definitely in with a shout. I mean, look, the, that match ended up 37-43 um, when they last played the Crusaders in Johannesburg this season. So, uh, you know, anything could happen there. And, and the Stormers, I mean, I've been really impressed with their pack. I, I mean, we're going to come on to them later on. So I I think they've all three of those teams have got a chance. So you you got to say that, you know, it would be it should be we should be up against it. I'm sure right now if someone went on and kind of did a bit of a uh, not a tri, you know trifactor on that they could give you the odds on it, but um, you know, I, we shouldn't be seeing it, but yes we could um, unfortunately for the same dirty secret that you were talking about which, you know, tip against the Kiwis this season unfortunately has been a fool's errand. Tell you what that Lions Crusaders one is the one that 
um, yeah, provokes much interest in me. Uh, the Crusaders, to me, surprisingly lost to the Hurricanes last week. Canes obviously, um, uh, you know, finishing on fire and, and finishing on top of the log, so number one t- ranked team in the competition. I didn't see that result coming. Um, but the Lions rested up a whole bunch of players in their last round and uh, lost to the Jaguars from Argentina. And um, that's a big, you know, momentum's such a big thing heading into the finals. I'm really surprised they took that approach. Um, I guess they did have to travel across there to Argentina. So there's also that, there's always that, um, I guess, fatigue factor. But that's a, it's a fine balancing act. That one, Mate, well, but they've they've all been hanging out back at altitude, swapping out their blood for EPO, um, <laughs> just, you know, and, and just getting the you know the crystal meth at the right levels because they they're, they're going to go absolutely ape. On the on the other side, you've got you know the Crusaders who didn't know until you know the end of the weekend that they're going to have to then get flights to Johannesburg for God's sake. Um, they'll be travelling sort of midweek. That's a hard yeah. up. That is a, that's a really really hard ask. So, um, and you know, the, but the and, and the Saffirs always do this. They always throw. They a, do, a, mate. Absolutely. They've done it as far as as long as history goes back. And I guess they all send send them off to Camp Stalgrad or something in the meantime and make sure they're hard. So I reckon, um, yeah, I, I think you know the, the Lions are getting giving themselves a good chance, mate. Every that's my other tipping tip for you. Last round when there's two South Africans playing. Whoever's got the most to gain out of that game, pick them by a bucket load. You know, the, the other South African team just rolls over. It happens every year. Mm. All right, all right. So uh, New Zealand don't have it all before them, but I want to do put this to you just so they do win, take it all. And even now they've got an extra level of competition. Is there any way we can spin that into the advantage of the Wallabies that the the Wallabies will be more rested or Cheek will get more time with the boys? The All Blacks are you know are distracted by finals footy. Is there any way we can spin that into a positive for us, Hugh? Oh, we can spin it all we want, and I think it might help us all sleep at night. I'm not sure how true it is. <laughs> um, I you know every year we have that thing of one or the other. You know, if we if we've got four teams in the finals, it's because we're hitting form at the right time. But if we have zero as may will be the case this year well it's great because we actually get more time in camp and 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 look you know it's all it's all a little bit pointless in the sense that you know it's you can only put 15 people on the field at any one time and 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 um you know the quality of those 15 doesn't have a huge amount to do with which teams are in the super rugby finals i, I think what is of benefit and just drawing off i think we spoke about it last week about Michael Checker's comments about our fitness levels mm. and having that extra time in camp, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you see that first week is that, you know, Checker's just got to run in the Coogee steps for, for yep. four straight days and that might give us a bit of time to do that because, you know, mid-season fitness, anyone that's ever, you know, played footy always knows that's a tough slog and if you're not fit enough halfway through the season, it's very, very hard to pick that up. So, so um that, that's my hope, and that, that's me, you know, looking on, looking um, at the uh, positive side of things, Reg, and, and let's hope that, that that's what results. We can see a bit of a fitter, um, more sort of athletic quality squad coming into coming into the business end of the rugby championship. All right, and we'll cover that more in coming weeks, without doubt. Third question: Let's uh, look at one of the teams that hasn't made the finals, the highest ranked team. Uh, behind the Brumbies and the Waratahs and the Rebels. And if you recall back to uh, our season preview show, I think we all rated the Rebels as a fairly good shot, um, possibly even that the, we gave them our tip as being conference winners or at least the top of the Aussie log. 
they have had their best ever season in terms of number of wins, uh, sitting at uh, seven wins. Matt, do you reckon the fans should be happy with that, or should there have been a thirst for a little bit more? Yeah, look, I, I think ultimately, no. Um, I don't think they completely delivered on their promise. Um, it was, you know, they've definitely moved forward, uh, which is good news. Uh, and I think, you know, finishing with that win against the Reds will be really satisfying, um, but not deeply satisfying. I think the bit where everyone will be scratching their head is especially around the halves. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone was like, you know, the, the hype that was around um, Debrasini uh, and then and also Sturzaka, um, maybe because they've, I don't know because they're both long names, and and and, and could, you know, did they have a hipster tone? I'm not sure. Whereas, you know, it even sucked Hugh in. Actually, Hugh was singing um, Sturzaka's praise at the beginning of the season. I had to try and put him straight. He wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> um, but you know, but I think for for everybody, you know, and obviously we know that how important the halves are to any team. And and I think there's some good talent there, you know. I think some of the outside backs and the Rebels were looking really, really good. I mean, God, Reese Hodge. What Reece a Hodge. Find, Absolutely. You know, what an absolute find. You know, Tom English was looking great on the weekend. You know, um, you know they've got the Fijian winger. Um, Naivalo. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's a lot of talent out there. Um, I think there's a really good, hardworking pack. You had a, quite a decent back row. I mean, I mean, how what a legend did McMahon look like on the weekend? Um, I did, I loved um, Liam Gill's quote saying that you know how basically them not them deciding not to tackle in the first half made Sean McMahon look like a legend. But he really did play well, and, and, well, and you know, and I thought the whole pack. I mean, apart from probably at scrum time. But, the, but otherwise, I thought they looked really, really solid. And the bit that they just missed was the link between the two yeah. um, throughout the season. And I think that was a real pity because I think especially a lot of people saw a lot of hope and promise in, in those two. I think uh, Gilly had to say something about Sean McMahon because I'm pretty sure two days earlier than this game, he came out and said, I'm going to target Sean McMahon to make sure that Greg Holmes goes out a winner. And uh, I think we, you know, Gilly had a great game, but uh, I think McMahon was the points winner there. Absolutely. Um, hey, this is an interesting one, and I know we're meant to be talking about the Rebels, but, you know, this is me, and I would like to bring it back to the Reds. Not too <laughs> long after the game, um, Ant Finger put up on Instagram a picture of the Reds boys walking out from the change room through the tunnel pre-match, so going on, ready to run on the field. And they were laughing and smiling and high-fiving, um, like um, it was the end of the match. You know, they'd won a match at the end without the celebrations. But it was really a loose atmosphere. It, it really shook me, and I wasn't quite sure whether to think, well, good for them going out and trying to enjoy themselves, you know, in their last game of the season. They've had a fairly dire season. But the other part of me was like, we saw how terrible we were in the first half. Surely we, you know, you, you've still got a, you're professionals, you've still got a performance um, to, to deliver. Um, and you do, you are committed to saying goodbye to these guys. And we've lost, what, 600 caps in that game. And um, we go out there playing party style. I don't, I don't know which way to take it, but it got me pretty angry there for a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought the defence in that first half was just – it was non-existent. It was, it was awful. Um, uh, and, look, if that – maybe that someone got stuck into them at halftime and kind of reminded them oh, that yeah. – that, you know, have a bit of pride because it was it was really bad. Yeah, Coach Nick Styles definitely uh, accepted uh, admitted as much that they really got stuck into it at halftime. Hugh, what about you? How do you rate the Rebels' performance? Should they be satisfied with that, or was there more on the tank? You think? No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be satisfied, Reg. Um, 
Uh, and it's a shame because I, I like the Rebels. I was hoping for more. Look, they shouldn't be too disappointed with the season. They came 12th, um, which isn't sensational, but it's not. You know, they're gradually, inch by inch, coming up the ladder. Um, but I just think you'd like to see that pace of change, um, you know, a, a, just a little bit faster and get into that top ten. And that, this was the year. And, and the thing about it is I've just looked back through their results and the thing I would have liked to have seen is is them just pushing the top sides a little bit harder. Um, because you look at how they did against the New Zealand sides, and I can't claim that any Australian side has a record to be proud of in this regard. But really, against the Chiefs, they got pretty well flogged. The Hurricanes flogged. The Crusaders flogged with a capital F. Um, you know, they, they pushed the Australian conference teams pretty well hard and you know, obviously beat the Waratahs, which was a great win. But... Um, just, you know, Stormers ran away with it and won by 30. Like, it, they, they just need to have, you know, only even needed to be one or two games in the season where they just lift to the quality of the opposition. And they, they're just not there yet, unfortunately. And I thought this was the year you might see them, you know, not this, not beat the Chiefs in, in Waikato, but, you know, at least push them. Um, mm. And unfortunately, they just they just aren't quite in that class yet. And you're right, the players, I mean, Sefa Naivalu is a superstar and he'll be in the Wallabies um, in the spring tour when he's eligible. Um, you know, t- guys like Reese Hodge and, and Sean McMahon. They're, they're guys you can build a, a, a team around, and you've got Marika Korobiti coming in next year. You know, you, you've got, uh, you know, a, a, the, the backbone of a pretty good side with Chiba Hansen there as well. Um, you just a couple, a little sort of dash of talent here and there and a, just a small lift, and I think you'll see them move to that next tier, to that top sort of, you know, six to eight teams. But, um, yeah, I've been saying that for a few years now, so they've got to start delivering. But yeah, this was, yeah, go on, Matt. Well, I was just going to say, it's interesting. If you look at um, – there's a good article coming out on the website, uh, probably should be tomorrow, I think, written by Kevin O, where he's just had a look at, for example, uh, just within each of the conferences to see who did well, you know, just within their own country's conference. And so if you look at, you know, the Brumbies won six and lost zero against Australian opposition – Rebels one five lost one, and the Waratahs one uh, three lost three. Force one one lost five. The Reds one zero lost yeah. six. Um, but you know, you look at the Rebels there with five and one. I mean, that's that's you know, it, that's pretty impressive until you get to the points that you just made. I think you um, pretty well, and it, it seems to me at the moment that they're maybe setting the horizons a little low. Um, you know, they're, they're happy to lift for, um, you know, home teams, which, let's face it, they haven't set the world on fire. Um, but when it gets against the tough opposition, maybe they just don't believe in themselves enough. Yeah. All right. Well, onwards and upwards with the Rebels. They lose a few players uh, next year, some pretty important players too, the likes of Mike Harris and Tamati Ellison. So uh, was that their shot? We'll get to that um, uh, probably in a, a season preview in a few months' time. Um, question four is about... Uh, again, it's about the structure of the conference, and we've talked about this, but this is a really interesting dimension for mine. And Hawko's article on our blog site at grinninggoldrugby.com uh, really touches on it well today, and he looks at the, the tip of the iceberg is the reality of how tough the competition was for some of these teams. So, you know, do, do we reckon the Stormers and Lions have got some false hope here? The Stormers in particular, and Hawko picks it up, they, he reckons they've had the, the easiest run in the competition, only playing one team of any note. They thrashed the Bulls first up, and the Bulls are notorious slow starters. They they beat the Cheetahs next up, and the Cheetahs are another also ran. They got beaten by the by the Sharks. 
Um, the Stormers, to their credit, beat the Brumbies at home. They had to play the Jaguars. They got to play the Jaguars twice. They played the Sunwolves twice. Um, you know, and, and here they are finishing what on top of the log. You know, top ranked South African team just behind the Lions side, but top of their conference. Is this a bit of a false uh, sense of security for them, Hugh? You reckon they're as good as their grading sense them to be? Well, look, evidence suggests, Reg, that that they're that they're not. Um, but, you know, I'm going to reserve judgment for a week. And I know we're on radio now, so I really should get my inner shock jock out. And I know you've already done it a little bit, um, you know, potting some of the, you know, the South African conference and alleging match fixing in the final round. I mean, that's, that's really, um, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's something for the, um, for the tabloid news tomorrow to discuss. But, um, the, uh, yeah, look, I, I'll wait and see. I, I think, you know, as we discussed, that is a good chance the Kiwi teams are going to go over there and roll them. But um, you, you never know, and, and the South Africans in South Africa are, are a strange beast sometimes. So, look, yeah, uh, uh, there are obvious issues, and we've discussed it, it seems, each and every week. And for our radio listeners, you'll probably be in for a few more weeks of it too, um, that, uh, you know, the conference system, there, there are big issues with it. But, um, yeah, look, I, I, I'm not willing to put the pen through the Stormers just yet, and uh, I think they might be a little bit better than what they appear. Yeah, well, that's the hard road. Matt, what, what's your thoughts on that one? I mean, the, the, you could argue that the Australian conference wasn't particularly strong, but at least there's five teams, and we, we played the Kiwis more often, whereas over in South Africa, they got uh, the three new teams uh, quite readily. Yeah, look, the Stormers, you know, they didn't even play a New Zealand team this year, did they, um, at all? So, I mean, I think it's, it's hard not to see them as flat-track bullies, and in fact, they even drew with the Sunwolves. So, um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's definitely not a great um, result. But having said that, when they did come over here and, for example, um, when they put the, uh, you know, the, the Rebels to the sword, what a scrum they had. I mean, that was unbelievable. That was really impressive. Um, but I don't think they're as impressive definitely as, as the Lions. Um, you know, they beat the Chiefs at home, you know, when, you know, when the Lions were on the road. Um, they beat the Sharks twice. Um, they also beat the Stormers. And they, like we talked about earlier, they got closest to the crew. So, yeah, they did get smashed by the Canes. Um, but, you know, I think they definitely had the more respectable um, sort of uh, – you know, form this season. So if, if anyone's going to have a decent run, you would think it's going to be them. I, I haven't seen them play much, but what I did see, I was really impressed by. They seem to be playing really flat to the game line, um, which I was really um, interested by. So, um, and, and look, you know, they came top of the overall, co- you know, of the whole thing um, in regular season. So you, you would think they have a good, a good chance and they're at home in Johannesburg. So um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, they play really good rugby. I enjoy watching them. So I'd like to think that they will continue on. And like I say, I reckon that Lions-Crusaders match will be pretty epic. I mean, it's finals footy. They'll all be cracking matches of rugby. Um, but that's one, you know, that maybe the first uh, South African match I actually get up to that doesn't that doesn't feature the Reds. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. Well, that's, that's something to say, mate. You're, you're thinking about setting the alarm clock. Big statement. I'm sure it'll change come Saturday night when I go to bed. But uh, let's see how it all plans out. <laughs> Righto. All right, let's go to Rio, lads. Uh, the Rio Olympics are what? Uh, just weeks away, we saw the Aussie teams, uh, the 
women's and men's sevens teams named earlier this week. Exciting stuff. And it's really hard to fathom rugby being a new sport at the Olympics, or should I say rugby sevens being a new sport at the Olympics. The 15s version of the game was around uh, early in the 19th century. And actually the USA are the reigning gold medalists in that. But rugby sevens is the first time this has been at the Olympic Games. And it's uh, a wonderful event. It's been huge at the Commonwealth Games for a few iterations. Um, but just you could just see the buzz of excitement in these players as they got to realise this dream of, uh, of going to the Olympics and, and little did they realise that it would be via rugby. So we might touch on that in a second, but I want to ask you guys the question. If you could pick any Olympian of all time for the Aussie Sevens team for Rio, who would you pick? I know you're a bit of a Sevens nut. Who are you looking at? It's tough, isn't it? Because you've got to go these different these different sports um, across. You know, it, it's got to be Australian. We don't have a huge amount of male track and field athletes, so I, I'm just sort of working through it in my mind because I've been trying to think in it, and it's tough, Matt. Maybe leave me out, Matt. What what have, what have you? Has Matt got one? I might try oh, and feed off that. Oh, definitely. There's 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 one man who stands out um, who'd be a shoe in, I would think, uh, and that has to be Dean Lucan. <laughs> the weightlifter. Um, look, I'm just going to put him in there for good old Aussie guts. Um, you know, the man got it done. He, <laughs> he's the only guy, only Aussie weightlifter ever ever to win, um, uh, you know, medal. I believe. Um, he, he he went out there, and then uh, when he looked to make a comeback, he, he shed the weight, so he showed that he could do that. Look, I, I, I realise he'd be cutting a bit of a different figure in sevens. Um, but I reckon if Dean Lucan from 1984, if you could, you know, put him in a, you know, some sort of uh, time machine, um, I reckon he could put his mind to it. Like that. He had a bit of a sweet lid to old Dean Lucan too, a bit of a peroxide right. blonde there too. So it would have been a handy selection for us this last few weeks. It was honey yeah, badger, we, yeah. Well, I mean, mine, I've got, I've got one. I've got a few actually. But one, I mean, we, we, I think we like a bit of mongrel. They're all a bit nice guys. I think we need... Need a bit of a bit of someone someone to um, put the cat amongst the pigeons in that team, and I can think of no one better than Michael Diamond. Um, oh. And you know, I know he's been relegated from the shooting team, but that just put, means he's available for for uh, for rugby sevens. And you know, yeah, he, he speaks his mind. He he, he um, and he looks like he's he's been around a few pub brawls in his day. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, in that sort of we we might need a bit of a wild card to. to uh, to um, amp up our sevens team, so he might be the guy. I like that, and, and I think it's appropriate. We the women, their squad's pretty sound, isn't it? You can consider your Kathy Freemans, of course, and the other one was the Bass Michelle Timms. I reckon she would have been a feisty little halfback, very much a yeah. James Standard. She would have been pretty good as well. But our well, women's what about, team. Was, what about on that regard, Shane Hill? The old, you know, yeah, old, yeah, yeah, exactly right. I'm, I'm getting there. I reckon Hill's a good shout, but that women's team is looking pretty solid. So you try and pick Kathy Freeman, you try and pick Michelle Timms. Who they, whose place are they going to take? It's a little bit too hard on that women's team. The men's, with all due respect, just need a little bit of something. And Shane Hills, yeah, absolutely. We, we've probably got some concerns about Stannard and his durability and Hill directing play around the base there. And he's one, he would take it up to those Fijians and the All Blacks, wouldn't he? Remember when he stood up to the Dream Team? Um, uh, I think a bit of nice yeah. set Atlanta oh, and also backed it up. Fantastic. So um, Hill for one. But, uh, you know, speed's an obvious one. Shervo, you know, he semi-finalist in the 100 metres. That's not a bad achievement. A bit of speed to him. a bit of bulk to him. A bit of size elsewhere. Um, could have been oh. handy. We, we, <laughs> we definitely had a bit of, bit of speed in our Aussie teams. But, you know, the big thing that I've noticed in sevens is guts and heart. These guys are just non-stop. 
And the guy who put in the biggest, gutsiest performance I've ever seen at an Olympics from an Australian perspective is Kieran Perkins, mate. That 96 gold medal in the 1500 metres when he was crook all week and only just qualified for the final, had the outside outside lane, and, mate, he just dug deep and gave it and, and just swam his guts out for 14 minutes. Coincidentally, the same distance time as a, a sevens game, mate. Kieran Perkins, he's my, uh, my go-to for the Aussie sevens team. Well, they've got pretty good, you know, pretty good mitts on those guys. And yeah. um, I reckon they could be like the, uh, you know, the Australian version of those sort of Fijian second-row wingers. Yeah, um, exactly. Yep. You can imagine them working in the same way. I think they'd run pretty dorkily to start with because um, they're obviously not used to being on land. But um, I think you're right. I think they've got the motor. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Fifteen, that the, the work those 1,500-metre swimmers do is uh, astronomical. Mm. Well, and Hugh, just the, the, the touch base about the sevens team. You know, we'll get it's it's getting closer, but pretty exciting times for those players. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it, it's it's been a bit of a lack of debate about the team. I think because the injury toll is so huge, and you look, we pretty much, you know, it, it was a pretty easy selection for Andy Friend in the end in the men's anyway. That that um, you know, most of the players that you would have thought should have been there are, are out with injury. Guys like Palmer Foe. And Sam Myers and Greg Jelidev and, and and these guys. I mean, it's a real shame for some of the guys, especially Jelidev, you know, who's been a servant of sevens for you know it seems like five or six years now. And you know, I would love to have seen that those guys at the games and getting a reward for their service, but unfortunately not to be. And and look, the team that we've got there, I don't think it's. I don't know. I, I I hope I hope we've got an outside shot of the medal. I think I'm not sure we've quite got the quality there. But if guys like Tom Cusack and James Stannard and um, Louis Holland can find some form, then um, then you never know. And and we've played Japan in a series. Um, and and I think we've knocked them off pretty comprehensively. And look, it's going to be a big question mark. And and um, yeah, you never know with seven. So um, it's it's a pretty friendly sort of a draw we've got so yeah, yeah. so we look look to get to a quarterfinal and then if we can get to a semi then you know who knows from there well in one way that goes in our favor right so i think we saw that several times in in this series is you saw teams come from absolutely nowhere so you know whether it's sort of like the, the kenyans or the samoans and, and 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 other teams who you know haven't been ruling the roost at all and then they can just have a great uh tournament you know, and, yeah. and, and and the cookie crumbles the right way, and and all of a sudden you're through. And you know, we're, we're definitely, you know, you got to say we post, we've been posting better results, you know, more consistently than those other two teams, as an example. So there's no reason why you know our dogs shouldn't have their day. Um, look, there's going to be one thing that I was going to throw in here though, is that you know that's been really interesting is just how the big names haven't made it through. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, across the board, which I think at the end of the day, I think everyone who's been following the sevens and you know, following rugby, I think, you know, surely we're all pretty happy about that, you know, those guys have been putting in um, who have become specialists in this sport don't just get kind of dumped when um, sort of a, a bigger name, you know, especially with bloody Jared Haynes of this world, um, you know, decide that they, they'd like to have a shot at the Olympics. I, I mean, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a really positive thing for the sport and it kind of shows where it's, you know, where it is now. 
Yeah, I agree. But it, it should be noted, interesting, the USA have picked their team and they've got, uh, I think it's Nate Ebner, who was uh, a NFL champion, definitely former NFL player, but um, uh, an NFL uh, champion. I think he's got the champion ring as well. So um, he's but the, the only one cross-code that, that has made it in this men's competition. So uh, cracking competition we'll definitely speak about uh, very soon. Um, we're going to get into uh, our Nude Nut 15, or at least the backline first, Matt. But when we're talking player selections and recruitment, it's very important to speak to, to one organisation, isn't it? Well, indeed, our sponsors, as it happens, um, sporpal.com. Um, if you're a rugby player, and actually, look, there might be people, especially now that, you know, we've gone digital, as you say, Reg, and <laughs> we're, we're, we're on the radio wireless and, um, you know, there might be people from other sports as well. Sportball is expanding. I think they're also into basketball now. But especially with rugby, if you're thinking about um, – if you're a player um, – I was actually thinking about this during the week and I was thinking you might be um, like um, – you, you might have a mate who's got a son, right, who's sort of 18. He's a bit of a buffhead. You, you, you don't know where he's going to fit into life, but, geez, he can play rugby. Look, sport, get him onto sportball. Get him overseas, get him playing in a team somewhere in the States or somewhere in Europe and stuff will work out. So get him onto sportball.com or if you're a team and you're looking like where's our next piece of talent coming from, get onto sportball.com. It's the place to, it's the place to be. And they also sponsor this, this fine uh, radio show slash podcast. Good stuff. Thanks to Sportball. All right, let's get to it, lads. Uh, to the new listeners out there, we recently picked our Sweet Leeds 15, so the five, the 15 players, and we're basing this on Southern Hemisphere. We'll talk to some colleagues of ours about a Northern Hemisphere team, but we're looking at our Southern Hemisphere Sweet Leeds 15, and you can find the 15 we chose on our website at greenandgoldrugby.com, um, and there's some cracking hairstyles there. It took well, a lot of... Sal- a, can we give it a bit of a rundown? I mean, You want to go through it? it? Okay, so first and foremost, Lord Laurie. Laurie Fisher was our coach. Fullback Israel Dagg um, uh, from the All Blacks. Our wingers were the Honey Badger, Nick Cummins, and Naholo from uh, the All Blacks as well with his nice little rat's tail. Nice. Young Campbell Magne uh, from the Reds uh, with like his uh, ginger, ginger nut and Matty Tamua's head uh, man bun. Oh, uh, man the bun. Sentence. Uh, James O'Connor is probably captain, uh, kicker, and uh, and hairdresser for the team with his, with his blonde peroxide uh, uh, cornrows yeah. uh, fly half. And then Faf de Klok from the Springboks uh, is a delightful number nine. Big fans of Faf. Um, the back no, row, Geordie Reed from the Rebels, Michael Hooper's luscious locks at open side, and Artie Sevilla at blindside. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our lock combination. I reckon this is a ripper. Lopetti Tamani and Sam Lousy from the Hurricanes now um, in at lock. Another rat's tail or something going on there for Lousy. And our front row. We've got uh, a couple of Tars in the front row with Angus Tarvo and Tatafu Palada now, who we actually have called captain. James O'Connor will be uh, furious. And Kuni Usterhausen uh, from the, the from South Africa is uh, in the front row there. So a cracking uh, 15 of sweet leads. There's only one weak link in that whole team, you've got to say. Um, I mean, I'm talking I'm serious player-wise. I mean, that, that is a decent 15, isn't it? It uh, is. It's fantastic. And it's, I've got to say, it's also, so obviously we've moved on now to, to what we're calling like uh, either the nude nut or the bullet 15. So these are guys who are ostensibly bald or at least shaved down. Yep. Uh, and, and, and just to remind you of the qualification, they've got to be Southern Hemisphere and they've got to be playing now. So it's, it's, it's got to be recent. 
Um, and it doesn't make it easy, does it? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. There seems to be less of them. I don't know what the deal is, but um, uh, maybe it's since Mortlock's retired, they're just less prevalent. Mm. But so, um, look, we had a look. We had a really good suggestion actually uh, for most of this backline. So we we thought we'd start with the backline this week. Um, and most of the suggestion here comes from Rugby Smartass from uh, Simon Restifer. Um, and shall I just – I'll run yeah. you through what, what, he, what he gave us. Um, so um, Cornell Hendricks um, in, in, at 15. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of South Africans yeah, uh, go, for, go for the bald look. Um, it, I don't know. Is that, a, is that a doping side effect? I'm not sure. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's not. Cornell H- Hendricks at 15. JP Peterson, 14. Um, Juan de Jong um, at outside centre. Lionel Mapoe. Look, I mean, we're, we're just rocking the South Africans here at 12. Um, and then we've got Big Nads, Nomani Nadolo uh, at 11. Um, and then he had a bit of a gap at 10. I know you've got a couple of suggestions here, Reg, but before we get to that, I think one, um, especially from 2012, was Aaron Cruden, um, who had shaved down um, at that point. Um, it doesn't count, though. We've got the rules, Matt. The, I've been shouted down for these rules, and now I'm going to uphold it because You're such a everyone needs the to rules, be Hugh. held to my standards. Well, he does keep it short. I mean, it's maybe not completely bald. He's bald-ed. not bald, though. Yeah, he's not bald. I'm All sorry. right, okay. All right, then, we'll, then Reg will have to we'll put me straight. And then the other one that uh, Rugby Smartass had put in was Yatomi. The uh, little fire puppies, um, number nine. Yeah, and I like his selection. And the two I came up with, uh, they're both scrum halves, but I reckon one of them could cover fly half. And uh, they're both still, or James Stannard's first. So Aussie Sevens, um, he, he's played uh, probably yeah. scrum half, but he's played he's some captain. fly half. Yeah, so I reckon he's I reckon he's our ten. But Brett Sheehan, that came in from Tree Camtrell, or suggested Brett Sheehan, and Brett Sheehan I think was the first. Play I heard, um, uh, I think, suggested had a, a slice of Devon on his head. So um, he gets an honourable mention at least. And I, I reckon he's still running around somewhere, maybe in France or Italy. So, but let's stick with James Stannard there at ten. Yeah. What did they? What did they used to call? Um, uh, she, you know, wasn't it the, the pony? No, the Shetland. The Shetland. The Shetland. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, he's still playing fine rugby. So yeah, we've got some good choices in there. Excellent. Good team. We need your help, guys. We need your help to fill out the pack. There's a few obvious ones there we know, um, but we need one to eight for a Southern Hemisphere bullet 15. And a coach. There's a, there's a few options there. Uh, John Mitchell springs to mind, um, but there'll be others. Uh, Clive Woodward will we'll battle. Oh, he's Northern Hemisphere, so we won't well, go. I actually, I actually think eligibility-wise, what's the status of Eddie Jones? Oh, interesting. Surely license revoked to be Australian, isn't he? You'd have to think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's stuff that. Yeah, can't have him. Yeah, nah, let's move on. Um, but we need your help, guys. So hit us up on Twitter at GAGR, at Gaga, on the website. Um, join the forum or on Facebook and uh, give us your uh, your suggestions for the uh, the rest of our 15. Um, a couple of follow-ups from last week, guys, and, and through the week. I wanted to mention... Um, I, Gregsy, uh, who tweeted us from India, listening to the podcast on the road from, uh, I, th- I think, Mumbai to Pune, uh, had the, uh, the podcast blaring just to get him through that uh, ridiculous Indian traffic situation over there. I thought that was a, a cracking image. Do you guys see that one? Yeah, great stuff. Love that. Uh, yeah. So what's our, what's our, it was the Netherlands last week, Reg, is our 
lowest amount of unique listeners. What's I'm, I've been waiting all week to hear what our winner is this week. Um, where's it coming from? Luxembourg. Five listens this week. So if you're listening in Luxembourg, hit us up. We want to know, you know, who's listening, why listening, and uh, let us know about the rugby scene in Luxembourg. Well, maybe it's the same people that do the Netherlands. They're just doing a lovely tour of the Benelux nations. It'll be Belgium next week. So They're backpacking. <laughs> Very slowly. Good to hear. Well, that's a cracker. Um, but, Hugh, there's also a bit of follow-up. The question we threw out last week about the most capped Aussie super rugby player yet to play a test match. A lot of research went into this, but we found an answer. We did find an answer, and we thought it might have been I, – I, I – um, Throughout that it might have been Sam Sam Wikes with 87 caps, and I, th- I was a bit excited because someone discovered Mitch Inman was actually bringing up his 88th cap um, last week against the Reds, um, but it was actually blown out by by Bobus, our, our producer, who um, who came up with Mitchell Chapman, who has played 102 um, Super Rugby games, and much to my surprise, never actually played a test. Was around the squad for a few years and got onto the bench at one stage but never actually got onto the park. So the most capped, uncapped player um, is Mitchell Chapman. So I think he's got to, he's got to hold the title, but the current holder of what, what I'll call the Chapman Award um, is Mitch Inman, the, 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 highest un, the highest capped, uncapped current player um, is, uh, is Mitch Inman. So I think we'll continue to follow this as it goes on and, and let's hope for Mitch's sake he gets a cap because, you know, he's, he's been around. So how many caps do you reckon? A, he's a bit of a new and improved Tom Carter for me, but um, he, uh, how, yeah. How many caps do you reckon Inman's on, roughly? I think he's on 88. Right, so he could crack it next year. He could. And this this is exciting. A, yeah, won't that be a triumphant, a bittersweet moment for him as he <laughs> lost his bat for the century but never has really... Yeah. Um, yeah, never really gotten close to the Wallabies either, Mitch. I think he went on a spring tour once, but um, well, there's a pack of other awards I think we need to delve into as well, including, you know, for example, uh, Super Rugby Player with most points scored against him. Um, you know, that, that, those sorts of things. I, it feels like half of these awards are going to Angus Tarvo, Matt. Like, <laughs> that's what you're lining up. <laughs> it's one season. Worst haircut, A Tarvo. Most scrums lost, A Tarvo. <laughs> Look, um, just uh, at the end, getting towards the end now, but um, just also wanted to pick up on we've got some good reviews that have come in um, for the podcast, and it's always great if you can drop a review in. It helps us um, on the iTunes store. Um, we've got one from. Um, PRA triple three and from Mad Soul both talking about loving the the Wang with the top guests. But the one I'm just going to read out today is um, from T Galvo. Thanks for your great weekly podcast and regular articles. I only started properly obsessing about rugby 18 months ago. Mate, where have you been for the rest of your life? And Gaga have been an important part of that. Um, so thank you for the regular and excellent content. Hopefully someone at the ARU is listening slash reading. Don't know about Rolly's sign-off though. I don't know what he's – I don't know what he's talking about there. He's very professional. Oh, well, I don't think we'll be hearing that again. I think that might yeah, be retired. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's got to go. And also just potting players at will on this pod, on this <laughs> podcast. Now we're in the mainstream. We're available to the public here. We can't exist in some backwater of the internet anymore. Doping, accusa- <laughs> do- doping ac- accusations. Doping okay, that's accusations. Right. <laughs> that's right. Free reign. Yeah. I think we're, aren't we subject to some laws now here? I, I think... Um, I think defamate the big D word might, yeah, might I be think thrown around a little bit. Dean Mum can breathe a big sigh of relief. 
<laughs> right All right. Look, that'll wrap us up tonight. Thanks for listening, uh, all our regular Gagger listeners, um, but also to uh, any of our new listeners across the radio waves. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we have a wonderful website. You can get all the latest information on uh, rugby in Australia at greeningoldrugby.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitter at, at GAGR, at Gagger, and on Facebook, Instagram, and even Snapchat, would you believe. Uh, we're all over the place. We are quite digital, Matt, in fact, aren't we? Yep, yep. We think they snap now. <laughs> all right, good stuff. Uh, Matt, Hugh, thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Reg. To Bobus in the booth, thank you. And uh, let's go, Brumbies. We'll see you next week. Right there, right there.